it's not Friday anymore. It's Sunday. <laughs> Amen. Man. Um, that we, we ran that video a couple years ago. We sent that around, and I just, it, it's, it's all that I can do to just not, like, break down and start crying when I see that video. It's just so powerful. It so clearly, so clearly captures the essence of what the resurrection is all about and what Easter is all about. Easter is all about Jesus coming because he loved you so much, dying, being buried in a tomb, and being raised from the dead to bring you joy, hope, peace, and power in your life to go out and live the life that he's called you to live and he's designed you to live. That's the whole story of the gospel message. That's what it's all about. Um, you know, a lot of times in churches, we, we have a hard time articulating just that very simple concept, right? We, we, we go to elaborate measures to try to uh, communicate the gospel. And I remember when I was a kid one time, our family, we lived in Ohio. Um, my father was a pastor and and we would do, every Easter, we would do this sort of outdoor production, this outdoor Easter production. And, uh, and at the end of the production, there was this, like, 30-foot scaffolding. And we would have a guy that was, you know, uh, playing Jesus. And he would have on this very shiny white robe. And he would stand at this 30-foot scaffolding out in the, kind of out in the field. This was a little town in Ohio when we lived up there for a bit. And, and, and so he's out there, and there's dry ice. You know, it's like the dramatic effect. There's smoke billowing out behind the guy. There's a spotlight on him. And he's standing out there, you know, and, and he's Jesus in this, in this you know, production. Um, and one evening as they're doing the production, uh, apparently a guy was driving down the road, um, you know, just about half a mile away from where the production was being held, and kind of glances over, and he sees Jesus 30 feet above a cornfield and just totally wipes out his car, crashes into the ditch. Um, he was okay, but that was the last year that we got to perform the uh, Easter production. Um, <laughs> you know, we go to, churches go to elaborate means to try to communicate uh, the, the gospel message and what we're all about, and, and a lot of times we fail at it. We're, we're not very good at it. Um, last week, if, how many of you guys were here last week? A bunch of you, Yeah. So last week I showed you some, some church signs, you know, uh, of people, tr- you know, where the church was trying to communicate something, but it didn't quite come off the way that they intended. I, I, I found a couple more. Would, would you mind if I showed you a couple more? Yeah. Um, and, and this is, again, these are churches that are, uh, you know, it's trying to communicate the gospel, but it's just somehow it doesn't quite happen. I love this first sign. It says, we love hurting people. I know what they, you know what they meant, right? We love people who are hurting, not we love to hurt people. It's a different, different thing. Um, I like this next sign says, whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. Wow. That guy, that sign guy was mad. It's like the pastor, the sign guy and the janitor all in one. And he's like, you know what? I want, I want theology in here, but I want somebody to know they're in trouble. Um, and this is my, my favorite one. The last one says, do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. <laughs> all right. I'm going to try to communicate the gospel in a little more of a clear way than that today. I'm going to try. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Because the, the gospel is, is, is not complicated. It's not complex. It's about Jesus coming, dying, being buried, and raised from the dead to bring you the power to become what you are called to be, what you're designed to be. And so I want to start today with a question. And the question is very simple, and it's this. Are you powerful? Are you powerful? Sort of an awkward question, right? And what I mean by that is I don't mean do you have money? I don't mean do you have like an extensive pedigree? I don't mean do you have a high title? I just mean that in the privacy of your own life, when you're facing challenges and difficulties and struggles inside that only you know about, do you have the power to overcome those? Do you have the strength to overcome those in yourself? Do you have the ability to overcome those challenges in your life? Um, we experience power uh, in all different kinds of ways. Uh, we do experience the external power. We ex- experience like social power around us. A lot of times if you're in an environment um, where there's powerful people around you, uh, you can, my wife and I over the other day were at a, um, uh, an event that was a fundraiser, and I was looking around, and it was kind of a who's who in St. Louis. There were people that were at very high levels in the legal community and the medical community and political community and all these different areas. In fact, I was kind of like, why are we invited to this event? But anyway, you can just kind of feel that social outward power around you, that societal power. Um, if you've ever been on the wrong side of society's power or that sort of outside structure you know structural power um, you can feel that power against you power against us if you've ever been pulled over by a police officer you're like okay there's there's power there and and right now (laughs) we're not on the same side it's sort of coming against us Um, there was a, a story that Nikita Khrushchev used to be the the former head of the Soviet Union and um And he used to, before Stalin died, before Stalin, uh, when Stalin was in power, Khrushchev worked with Stalin. And and Stalin, you know, there had been these massacres, and and Stalin had been, you know, largely responsible for a lot of this this death and destruction. And then after he died, Khrushchev was in, in power in communist Russia. And he was giving a speech, and there was a heckler in the crowd. And the heckler said to Khrushchev, he said, why didn't you do more to stop Stalin. And Khrushchev looked out into the crowd where he was speaking, and he said, who said that? Who said that? And, of course, nobody moved a muscle. Nobody raised their hand. Nobody, you know, volunteered. And he said, now you know why I didn't say anything to Stalin when he was in power, right? Because when there's power, societal's power against you, it can be very daunting. Now, another way that we experience power is sort of the power of the elements, natural power. You can experience power above us, right? So if you've been in a thunderstorm, where, do you guys feel that thunderstorm we had the other day? I think it was Thursday. It was, it was in our neighborhood, it was pretty strong. And in fact, at one point I turned to my little four-year-old Lincoln and I said, um, man, did you, did you hear that lightning? That was, that was intense. And he, Lincoln's four. And he's like, well, actually, dad, that was the thunder you heard, not the lightning, because you see the lightning. is." In, and I was like, dude, you know what I mean, man. Don't ruin the moment, okay? Um, but, but a lot of times we will experience this, these natural phenomenon. Um, when, uh, when the tornado came through St. Louis a few years ago, Rebecca's 
Uh, my wife's mom was here in town, and she was at the airport. She was in Concourse C when the, when the hurricane hit and broke the glass. And, and I went up and, and picked her up afterwards. Um, I actually felt really bad about it because she's a, she kind of like likes weather, and sometimes she slightly exaggerates uh, you know, weather conditions. So when she called us um, and said, hey, I've been in a terrible tornado, and I, I was kind of like babe, you know how your mom is, you know, like, I mean, it was probably raining, and, you know, it's probably a little scary, you know, but she's from California, so I went up there, and it's like the windows were smashed, the metal was twisted, there was a van hanging off the part, it was, it was crazy, right, so we experienced this power above us, but a lot of times in our hearts, right, when we're trying inwardly to, to overcome some challenge or, or or defeat some habit, or get over some old wound in our life, we sense that the power is beyond us. We don't have the power to overcome whatever it is that's right there in our, in our way, in our life, whatever it is that we're struggling with. And what's fascinating about the Scripture is that the Scripture, the people in the Bible are just like us. In fact, every character in the Bible faces an insurmountable problem, just like we do. Every Bible story, every Bible story begins with people experiencing life's insurmountable problems. You look at every single one. Joseph, Adam, Moses, Abraham, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, Jonah. Anybody, you know, just call them out. Uh, Mary, Joseph, you know, Paul, everybody. They're always, the, the beginning of every story is that they're facing an insurmountable problem, just like all of us. There's things that each one of us, we look at in our own lives, we go, I cannot on my own overcome that, right? But here's the beauty of the Bible. It's not just a description of the human condition. It's a prescription for the human condition, right? Because every story ends with people experiencing God's immeasurable power, so they begin with this insurmountable problem, and then they experience this immeasurably great power that transforms their life, and then they walk out their life with this power. And it's not their power, it's God's power in them. And so um, today I want to explore what that power is for each and every one of us. The, the Easter story is the classic example of this. Because if you think about the people who follow Jesus right? His followers had been with him for three years. And if you, you know, if you can put yourself in their shoes for a moment, this man was, was stunning in the way that he could move people. Thousands of, his ministry was only three years old. It, it only lasted for three years. And, and thousands of people came to him and would come out from the hillside because people were moved by him. They were awed by his brilliance, the way that he would, would talk about uh, breaking down these old paradigms of religion and replacing it with this intimate relationship between you and God, it was, you know, it, it was stunning the way he talked. It was, it was new. And he would give these parables and these metaphors and these analogies that just shattered your, your, your thinking. And you're like, I, you know, I, I can't even understand this. And people were awed by this. And then they were deeply, deeply moved by his compassion because Jesus was, there would be these moments where like, Jesus would see a diseased person, a person who is untouchable, a leper who you are under the law, not allowed to even come near, 
right? Much less, much, much less touch them. And Jesus would go up to them and he would put his arms around them and he would feel their pain and he would comfort them and he would heal them and he would show them this incredible passion. There's a story where Jesus left a, a, a huge group of adoring, you know, followers and went all the way up to sit down at a well with one woman who was from a different religion, a different culture, a different ethnicity, a different race than him, just to sit down and listen to her and discuss with her her life's insurmountable problem. And he brought comfort to her, and he gave her a new life, and he gave her a fresh start. His compassion was amazing. And then they were stunned by his authority, right? Jesus was one of these guys who just was absolutely fearless. And, and it was almost like in the face of potential danger, that's when he really shined. That's when he would really shine. You know, when the, when the Pharisees or the religious, uh, the power structures were coming against him, that's when his most powerful sermons come out, you know. And he was just not afraid to stand up for people, like, you know, for people who were being oppressed or people who were being hurt. He wasn't afraid to do that, right? And they were completely, completely stunned by his power. He would, he would walk up to somebody who had deaf ears or blind eyes and he just had this power to heal them. He had this sort of miraculous power to heal them. He, the, the wind and the sea obeyed him, right? And so for three years, his followers were just mesmerized by him. And they had staked their life on him. Everything that they thought, everything that they were, everything that they had become was because of him. He had taken them from this life of just sort of like mere survival. And he had put them on a path of like eternal destiny, where they really started to see themselves on, a, on, a, on this sweeping, vast, epic scale, not just trying to get by, but some really powerful movement that they were part of. And then as we just saw in the video, just like that, it was gone. You know, the Scripture says that in, in one night he was arrested and he was tried. And then he was taken prisoner. And then on the Friday he was crucified. And so everything that they believed in, everything that they hoped for, everything that they longed for, everything that they thought they knew about Jesus and about themselves in one instant was gone. And that sense of power that they had was gone. And they felt completely and totally powerless. Completely and totally powerless. Have you ever been around somebody that makes you feel powerful? Like, you know, you're just, just in their presence, you feel more powerful. There was a guy in my high school, a guy named Lamont Head. And Lamont was like, you know, six, I don't know. He looked like he was seven foot tall to me, but, you know, that was just my perspective. He, he, he was like six two, six three. looked like he had been cut out of marble. You know, hugely muscular, athletic, fast, dynamic, you know, well, you know, just this dude. And we were, we were uh, some friends and I were at a party. One night, um, we were guys from Pattonville High School. Any Pattonville alumni here today? None. Okay. Um, <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so we're at this party, and, uh, and there were some guys from another school. And I, I want to say it was Parkway West. Any Parkway West alumni here? Really? Wow. Is there one? All right. God still loves you, bro. You're welcome here. This is a very, um, and these guys from, these guys from Parkway, like, didn't want us at this party. 
And, and so there were just a few of us there, and so we're kind of tucking tail and kind of like, all right, well, you know, we'll just head out. Um, and then Lamont Head drives up, and Lamont gets out of his car, and he's like, what's going on, <laughs> you know? And he starts walking up, the, he starts walking up the, uh, the lawn there at the house. And suddenly we who were like going this way are like, oh, yeah, 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 actually, you're right. <laughs> you know, we got our swagger on. We're like, anyway, what were you guys saying? Right? Right? Because, because suddenly in the presence of this one person, we felt powerful. Jesus' followers, their lives had been transformed by him. And then when he's gone and they're suddenly seeing life without him, completely powerless. Completely powerless. Hopes were dashed. Dreams had died. Despair overtook them, right? Sorrow filled the place where joy once lived in their lives. But that was only Friday. That was only Friday. And the Easter story doesn't end on Friday, and it doesn't end on Saturday. On Sunday, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. And she came to anoint the corpse of the man that she had been following for three years. That she came to, to, to anoint him with uh, his corpse with oils and scents and this sort of thing and prepare him for burial. And when she got there, the scripture says the stone had been rolled away. The funeral clothes were folded nicely and laying in the tomb. And the tomb was empty. And Jesus was gone. And the scripture says that Jesus then appeared to her and he appeared to the disciples and he appeared to his family and he appeared to his friends and he began to teach them and he began to comfort them and he began to inspire them and encourage them and empower them to become the people that he wanted them to be. And the scripture says he ascended to heaven and then weeks, not months, not years, but weeks after his crucifixion, this small band of people started speaking out in Jerusalem about what they had seen and heard. Thousands, tens of thousands of people began to join this Jesus movement. And within years, it absolutely swept the globe in Asia and Africa and Europe and all over the world because a few people with an insurmountable problem began to experience an inexpressibly great power. Something transformed them. Something in that moment transformed them, and they went on to change the world. The history of the first century is the history of the people of Jesus going out and bringing life and hope and love to the entire world. It's a stunningly you know, powerful story. And so the question that we have for ourselves today is, how does that story, that resurrection story, how does that impact us? How does that relate to us? How does that affect us, right? I, I, I get it. I understand the story of the resurrection happened at that time. I totally get it. But where does that land in my life right here in 2015? Well, um, there was an apostle uh, named Paul. And Paul wanted the early Christians and wanted us to understand what that resurrection story means for you and for me. And so he wrote in a letter to a group of people in Ephesus. Um, He wrote these words to them. It's a letter written to the Ephesians. And here's what he said. He said, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul's saying, I want you to know there is an incomparably great power that's available to you today. And you say, okay, what kind of power is that? 
Look at the next part of that. It says, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. What that passage is saying, and this is something that if you guys, if we can grasp this, this is a game changer in your life. This is a game changer in your community. This is a game changer in our church, right? Because what he is saying is that the power that God exerted raising Jesus from the dead, that power is available for you here today. That miraculous power is yours here today. That means that when you are struggling with that fear, when you are struggling with that obstacle, when you are struggling with that habit, or there's something outside of your control that you just don't know how you're going to overcome it, Paul is saying, the Bible is saying, that the power of the resurrection is here and it's for you and it's available to you today. In other words, God doesn't want you just to experience power around you or above you or beyond you. He wants you to experience power within you. The power of the Holy Spirit within us. Um, There was a a man named Alfred Nobel. Anybody ever heard of the Nobel Prize? So, in 1866, uh, this guy, Alfred Nobel, he was, he was a manufacturer of explosives, and they would use these explosives to try to move, um, you know, dirt and rock and, you know, explode off a hillside because there were people that were building bridges and roads and that sort of thing. And so he was a manufacturer to make the explosives that would move this, this massive amount of earth, right? But at the time, there, was only, there were only two uh, methods. One was um, they would use black powder. And so they would put black powder, and, and then they would, you know, light a fuse, and it would go off. Uh, but black powder wasn't very, uh, wasn't very strong. And so the other option was this chemical compound called nitroglycerin. And nitroglycerin was very powerful, but it was very, very unstable. So you could, you know, have it in a beaker and go over a bump in the road, and then boom, the whole thing explodes. Um, and the problem was that, you know, people were getting killed with nitroglycerin. In fact, Nobel's own brother was killed in an explosion in his factory as a result of this unstable compound. Um, and so Nobel is saying, you know, all right, I've got to figure out a way to take the power of this nitroglycerin, but make it so that it's controllable, right, so that it doesn't just explode and kill people. And he discovered that if you mix nitroglycerin with this sort of earth substance, this sort of silt-like dirt substance, um, you could put it in these eight-inch little uh, spheres, these canisters, and then um, you could put a a blasting cap on it and a fuse, and it had immense power, right? But it was still stable. It wouldn't blow up in your face. And so what he said was, all right, um, I've got to come up with a name for this, right? And because this is this huge, powerful force that I've, that I've come up with, I need a name for it. Um, in fact, he at one point called it Nobel's Safety Powder. And they were like, no, that's actually a terrible name. Let's not call it. It doesn't quite have the ring that I think you're going for. So he looked at the ancient Greek language, and the word that he landed on was a word dunamis. This is a Greek word, uh, and this word means incredible power, like miraculous power. And that's where he took that word, dunamis, and he came up with the word dynamite, right? So his word, you know, he took this Greek word dunamis, turned into dynamite. Here's what's fascinating. When we go back to the text that I just read to you in Ephesians, that's the same word that Paul uses to describe this power that's available to you and to me. 
He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great dunamis, this incredible power for us who believe, because that dunamis is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. It's powerful. And when you get a hold of this truth, it can transform your life. So how do we incorporate this power into our lives? How does this power become available to us? Let me drill down on this verse just for a couple minutes. I'm going to give you three points, uh, and then we'll, uh, and I want to show you this. The first thing is this. It says, if you go to that next slide, Don, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. What he's saying here is this, that the power is available to those who believe. That power is available to those who believe. Now, there may be some of you today who are like, you know what, I'm still struggling, and I'm still processing this sort of belief thing. I'm not sure if I'm 100% there. Well, guess what? You're in good company. Jesus' own disciples walked through that for years. In fact, we, we know one of them. His name was the doubting what? Thomas, right? And so, so he was with Jesus for three years, and after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, Thomas was still like, not 100% sure, guys, not totally positive, you know? And, 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 and in fact, he said, until I put my hands in his side and put my fingers in his wounds, I, I don't know if, if, if I can believe, and Jesus appeared to him. So if you're, if you're struggling in your, air, in your own faith, just know that this, we want you here. There's, a, there, there's an opportunity for you to come here and explore and learn and grow and develop into what God has for you, okay? Uh, but this is what he's saying. He said, it's available to those who believe. My own personal story, in my own life, there were 15 years of my life where I was not a believer at all a non-believer, growing up in church, heard all the stories, heard all the sermons, walked away completely. And there was a 15-year period where I was not a believer. And I praise God for the day that he reached into my life, turned my heart around, and I believed because for me, that changed everything. The, the dynamic in my own life, all of the issues and struggles and difficulties that I could not overcome in my own life, suddenly I became available to me to have the power to overcome those. And that moment changed my life dramatically. 2005, it was 10 years ago. I talked about it last Sunday, but it was absolutely transformative in my life. It was the hinge upon which my life turned. Everything changed for me after that. So I want to just encourage you that that power is available to those who believe, right? Look at the next part uh, of that verse. Let's focus on this part. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, okay? What he's saying here is that the power is accessible to those who perceive, right? Because what he's saying is this. That power is there, but I'm telling you that it's there because some of you are not perceiving it. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that the scales will come off your eyes. I pray that your ears will be unstopped so that you can perceive the power that is available, and when you perceive it, then it becomes accessible. It becomes accessible to you. And I think a lot of Christians are living in the first step where you go, you know what, I believe, right? But you're not living out a life of power. You're not living your life with the strength and vigor of someone who has the dunamis power in your life, right? And, and Paul's saying, you know what? It's accessible if you can perceive that it's there. You've got to know that it's there. And I'm praying that God would enlighten you so that you could know that it's there. There was a guy named Richard Dockery, USA Today, wrote an article 
last year about a guy named Richard Dockery. He was uh, um, an insurance salesman down in Texas, just a little south of San Antonio. And Richard Dockery was getting by okay. He had a job. He was selling insurance. And he was sort of just like getting along, you know, but, but you know, kind of having trouble making ends meet and that sort of thing. Uh, and he lived in this little town uh, south of San Antonio. And one day, some people came to Richard Dockery's house. And they said, uh, Mr. Dockery, um, we're not sure, but we think that there is a massive oil reservoir under your property. Would you mind if we did some tests on your property to determine whether or not there's some oil under there? And he said, you know, fire away. And it turns out there is this hugely massive oil reservoir, not only under his house, but under the homes of thousands of people that live down there in San Antonio. And so overnight, Richard Dockery and a bunch of school teachers and ranch owners and construction workers and folks that were just getting by making ends meet, suddenly these folks became multi-multi-millionaires because there was an oil reserve under their land that they did not know about. Christians are, 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 have access to God's immeasurably great power, the power of the resurrection to change our lives if we can only perceive and understand that it's there. And that's why Paul is saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to know what's available to you as Christians. Amen? I pray that for us. I pray that for you. I pray that for me. Because I think that we can, we can just live a life of not, not really knowing what is available to us. And Paul's saying, I want you to know that it's there. And then the third point that I want to make is this. That the power is experienced by those who receive. And what does that mean? Jesus always liked to tell stories. He loved to tell stories. That's how he communicated all of these deep truths. And one of the stories that he told is about a farmer and he said this farmer was out sowing seed. He was planting seed out on, his, uh, out on his farm. He said, but some of the seed fell on the path. And the path had been walked on over and over and over. And so the, the, ro- the, the, st- uh, the, the dirt on the path was hard, right? And he said the, the, the birds came and they just took that seed right off the path. It never even got near the, gra- near the soil. It just landed on the soil and then the, and then the birds took it away. And he said, then he threw some other seed and it landed on an area where there was a lot of rocks, so the, the, the dirt there was very, very shallow. And he said it kind of took root, but then when the sun came out, it scorched the little plants, and immediately the plants were gone. And he said some of the seed fell on soil where there were weeds, right? And the weeds grew up, and they choked out the little plants that he was trying to grow. He said, but then some of the seed fell on good soil. And this is soil that had been broken up. This is soil that was open. This is soil that was receptive. And when he explained this parable, he went on to interpret it. And this is what he said about the good soil. He said, others hear the word. And you can go to that next slide, Don. He said, others hear the word and receive it. This is the ones that land on good soil. Others hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100. What he's saying is this. God has this immeasurably great power for you and your life to transform your life. When you believe and you understand who you are in Christ, and when you incorporate that, when you receive that into your heart and live that out, walk that out day by day, step by step, it will transform your life. And I, I, and I mean in a real, genuinely measurable, dramatic way, God can change your life today. 
He can change your life today. How do we, how do we apply this? I'm going to give you three applications, and then I'm going to let you go. Number one, I just ask that you pray for God's power in your life today. Pray that God would allow you to experience his love, his grace, his mercy, and his power in your life today. This is the most overlooked you know, strategy there is in the Christian life. Sometimes we just do everything but pray. And, 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 and we're called just to pray. So we just need to stop and say, God, I want to experience your love and your grace and your mercy in my life. The, th- the second thing I'm going to ask you to do is come back next week as we explore this. We're going to do four, we're going to do four weeks of this. And we're going to get deep in what it means for you to experience this dynamic power in your life. So come back next week, bring a friend, and just grow with us as we develop in our hearts and in our lives and in our understanding what it means to have the resurrection power in our lives. And the third thing is this. Get involved. Get engaged. You know what? The best way to get over the problems in your life is to focus on your purpose. And when you're looking at your purpose, your problems seem small by comparison. They really do. And when you start serving others and loving others and caring for others and exercising the power that is within you, you start to not think about those problems so much. They begin to diminish in their strength. They don't have a hold on you anymore. So I would just challenge you to come out, pray, come back, and get engaged, get involved in what God is doing right here at U City Family Church or at your own church, wherever that is. Go get involved. Get engaged. Start serving. Start serving. Start loving others. I'm, I'm going to give you one quote. Uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky, who's a Russian novelist that I, that I love and have read for, for years. I found this quote this week. He says, power is given only to those who dare to lower themselves and pick it up. Power is given only to those who are willing to lower themselves and pick it up. You're not straining for power. You're not straining as a, you know, for authority. You're not straining to, to be able to wield, you know, pressure on other people. You're stooping down and saying, God, what do you have for me? What can I do, Lord, to serve others? What can I do to be a light to others? Let me, let me live out the power that you've planted in my heart. That's available to you. It's available to me. The resurrection is not a one-time event. It's happening right here. It's happening right now in your hearts and your lives today. Open your heart to him and let him in. Can we do that today? Amen. Let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask that your, that your love be known to us today. Those that are struggling with doubt, those that are struggling with fear, those that are struggling with temptation, those that are facing challenges that they know in their heart they don't have the strength to overcome on their own. We ask, Lord, that you would enlighten the eyes of our heart, that we could perceive the power that you have for us through the resurrection of Jesus that self-same power that you used to raise Jesus from the dead, we ask that you help us to grasp that, to overcome the challenges and the difficulties and the struggles in our own lives, and not only for ourselves, Lord, but that we might, that we might be a light to those around us. If we do this as a community, if we do this as a church, Lord, what a light we will shine in our community. What a light we will shine to those people who are struggling and defeated and broken. 
We pray, God, that you would use us today on this Easter Sunday to begin pursuing you with a greater vigor, with a greater desire, with a greater love, with a greater passion than we've ever experienced before. Father, we ask that you come into our hearts today, transform us, strengthen us, and empower us to go out and do what you've called us to do. And for this, God, we thank you, and we praise you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, you guys.